From PQED in San Francisco, this is the Writer's Block. Please note, this podcast is a little racy in spots. If you have a delicate constitution and choose to continue listening, good for you. My name is Juno Diaz. I'm going to read the opening section of my novel, The Brief, Wondrous Life of Oscar Wilde. This is about the life of the protagonist, Oscar, um, his early years and his experiences with early love. So here we go. The Golden Age. Our hero was not one of those Dominican cats everybody's always going on about. He wasn't no home run hitter or fly bachatero, not a playboy with a million hots on his jock. And except for one period early in his life, dude never had much luck with the females. How very undominican of him. He was seven then. In those blessed days of youth, Oscar was something of a Casanova, one of those preschool lover boys who was always trying to kiss the girls, always coming up behind him during a merengue and giving them the pelvic pump. The first nigger that learned the perito and the one who danced at any chance he got. Because in those days, he was still a normal Dominican boy raised in a typical Dominican family. His nascent pimpliness was encouraged by blood and friends alike. During parties, and there were many, many parties in those long-ago 70s days, before Washington Heights was Washington Heights, before the Bergen line became a straight shot of Spanish for almost a hundred blocks. Some drunk relative inevitably pushed Oscar onto some little girl, and then everyone would howl as boy and girl approximated the hypnotism of the adults. You should have seen him, his mother sighed in her last days. He was our little Porfirio Rubirosa. All the other boys his age avoided the girls like they were a bad case of Captain Trips. Not Oscar. The little guy loved himself the females, had girlfriends galore. He was a stout kid, heading straight to fat, but his mother kept him nice in haircut and clothes, and before the proportions of his head changed, he'd had these lovely flashing eyes and these cute-ass cheeks visible in all his pictures. The girls... His sister Lola's friends, his mother's friends, and even their neighbor, Marie Colon, a 30-something postal employee who wore red on her lips and walked like she had a bell for an ass, all purportedly fell in love with him. Ese muchacho está bueno. Did it hurt that he was earnest and clearly attention-deprived? Not at all. In the DR, during summer visits to his family's digs in Bani, he was the worst, would stand in front of Nena Inca's house and call out to passing women, Tu eres guapa, tu eres guapa, until a seventh-day Adventist complained to his grandmother and she shut down the hip parade lickety-split. Muchacho del Diablo, this is not a cabaret. It truly was a golden age for Oscar, one that reached its apotheosis in the fall of his seventh year when he had two little girlfriends at the same time his first and only menage a trois, with Maritza Chacon and Olga Polanco. Maritza was Lola's friend, long-haired and prissy, and so pretty she could have played young Dejah Thoris. Olga, on the other hand, was no friend of the family. 
She lived in a house at the end of the block that his mother complained about because it was filled with Puerto Ricans who were always hanging out on their porch drinking beer. What, they couldn't have done that in Guamo? Oscar's mom asked crossly. Olga had like 90 cousins, all who seemed to be named Hector or Luis or Wanda. And since her mother was una maldita borracha, to quote Oscar's mom, Olga smelled on some days of ass, which is why the kids took to calling her Mrs. Peabody. Mrs. Peabody or not, Oscar liked how quiet she was, how she let him throw her to the ground and wrestle with her, the interest she showed in his Star Trek dolls. Maritza was just plain beautiful, no need for motivation there, always around, too, and it was just a stroke of pure genius that convinced him to kick it to both of them at once. At first he pretended it was his number one hero, Shazam, who wanted to date them. But after they agreed, he dropped all pretense. It wasn't Shazam. It was Oscar. Those were more innocent days, so their relationship amounted to standing close to each other at the bus stop, some undercover hand-holding, and twice kissing on the cheeks very seriously, first Maritza, then Olga, while they were hidden from the street by some bushes. Look at that little macho, his mother's friends said. Que hombre. The threesome only lasted a single, beautiful week. One day after school, Maritza cornered Oscar behind the swing set and laid down the law. It's either her or me. Oscar held Maritza's hand and talked seriously and at great length about his love for her and reminded her that they had agreed to share, but Maritza wasn't having any of it. She had three older sisters, knew everything she needed to know about the possibilities of sharing. Don't talk to me no more unless you get rid of her. Maritza, with her chocolate skin and narrow eyes, already expressing the Ogun energy that she would chop at everybody with for the rest of her life. Oscar went home morose, to his pre-Korean sweatshop-era cartoons, to the Hercules and Space Ghost. What is wrong with you? his mother asked. She was getting ready to go to her second job, the eczema on her hands looking like a messy meal that had set. When Oscar whimpered, girls, moms de Leon nearly exploded. Tu ta llorando por una muchacha. She hauled Oscar to his feet by his ear. Mommy, stop it, his sister cried. Stop it. She threw him to the floor. Dale un galletazo, she panted. Then see if that little puta respects you. If he had been a different nigger, he may have considered the galletazo. It wasn't just that he didn't have no kind of father to show him the masculine ropes. He simply lacked all aggressive and martial tendencies. Unlike his sister, who fought boys and packs of morena girls who hated her thin nose and her straightish hair, Oscar had like a zero combat rating. Even Olga and her toothpick arms could have stomped in silly. Aggression and intimidation out of the question. So he thought it over. Didn't take him long to decide. After all, Maritza was beautiful and Olga was not. Olga sometimes smelled like pee and Maritza did not. Maritza was allowed over their house and Olga was not. A Puerto Rican over here? His mother scoffed. Hamas! Oscar's logic as close to the yes-no math of insects as a nigger could get. He broke up with Olga the following day on the playground, 
Maritza at his side, and how Olga had cried, shaking like a rag in her hand-me-downs and in the shoes that were four sizes too big, snots pouring out of her nose and everything. In later years, after he and Olga had both turned into overweight freaks, Oscar could not resist feeling the occasional flash of guilt when he saw Olga loping across the street or staring blankly out near the New York bus stop, couldn't stop himself from wondering how much his cold-as-balls breakup had contributed to her present fucked-upness. Breaking up with her, he would remember, hadn't felt like anything. Even when she started crying, he hadn't been moved. He'd said, no, be a baby. What had hurt, however, was when Maritza dumped him. Monday, after he'd fed Olga to the dogs, he arrived at the bus stop with his beloved Planet of the Apes lunchbox, only to discover beautiful Maritza holding hands with butt-ugly Nelson Pardo. Nelson Pardo, who looked like Chaka from Land of the Lost. Nelson Pardo, who was so stupid, he thought the moon was a stain that God had forgotten to clean. He'll get to it soon, Nelson assured his old class. Nelson Pardo, who would become the neighborhood B&E expert before joining the Marines and losing eight toes in the first Gulf War. At first, Oscar thought it was a mistake. The sun was in his eyes. He'd not slept enough the night before. He stood next to them and admired his lunchbox. How realistic and diabolical Dr. Zayas looked. But Maritza wouldn't even smile at him, pretended that he wasn't there. We should get married, she said to Nelson. And Nelson grinned moronically, turning up the street to look for the bus. Oscar had been too hurt to speak. He sat down on the curb and felt something overwhelming surge up from his chest, scared the shit out of him, and before he knew it, he was crying. When his sister Lola walked over and asked him what was the matter, he'd shaken his head. Look at that mariconcito, someone snickered. Someone else kicked his beloved lunchbox and scratched it right across General Urko's face. When he got on the bus, still crying, the driver, a famously reformed PCP addict, had said, Christ, don't be a baby. How had the breakup affected Olga? What he really was asking was, how had the breakup affected Oscar? It seemed to Oscar that from the moment Maritza dumped him, Shazam! His life started going down the tubes. Over the next couple of years, he grew fatter and fatter. Early adolescence hit him especially hard, scrambling his face into nothing you could call cute, splotching his skin with zits, making himself conscious, and his interest in genres, which nobody had said boo about before, suddenly became synonymous with being a loser with a capital L. Couldn't make friends for the life of him. Too dorky, too shy, and if the kids from his neighborhood are to be believed, too weird. Had a habit of using big words he had memorized only the day before. He no longer went anywhere near the girls, because at best they ignored him. At worst they shrieked and called him Gordo Aqueroso. He forgot the perito, forgot the pride he felt when the women in the family had called him hombre didn't kiss another girl for a long, long time, as though almost everything he'd had in the girl department had burned up that one fucking week.
Not that his girlfriends fared much better. It seemed that whatever bad, no-love karma hit Oscar hit them too. By seventh grade, Olga had grown huge and scary. A troll gene in her somewhere. Started drinking 151 straight out the bottle and was finally taken out of school because she had a habit of screaming, Nay, toss, in the middle of homeroom. Even her breasts, when they finally emerged, were floppy and terrifying. Once on the bus, Olga had called Oscar a cake eater, and he'd almost said, Look who's talking, puerca, but he was afraid that she would rear back and trample him. His cool index already low, couldn't have survived that kind of paliza, would have put him on par with the handicapped kids and with Joe Loco Rotundo, who was famous for masturbating in public. And the lovely Maritza Chacon, the hypotenuse of our triangle, how had she fared? Well, before you could say, oh mighty Isis, Marisa blew up into the flyest guapa in Patterson, one of the queens of New Peru. Since they stayed neighbors, Oscar saw her plenty. A ghetto Mary Jane, hair as black and lush as a thunderhead, probably the only Peruvian girl on the planet who had pelo curlier than his sister's. He hadn't heard of Afro-Peruvians yet, or of a town called Chincha. Body fine enough to make old men forget their infirmities, and from the sixth grade on, dating men two, three times her age. Maritza may not have been good at much, not sports, not school, not work, but she was good at men. Did that mean she avoided the curse, that she was happier than Oscar or Olga? That was doubtful. From what Oscar could see, Maritza was a girl who seemed to delight in getting slapped around by her boyfriends, since it happened to her all the time. If a boy hits me, Lola said cockily, I would bite his face. See, Maritza, French kissing on the front stoop of her house, getting in or out of some roughnecks ride, being pushed down onto the sidewalk. Oscar would watch the French kissing, the getting in and out, the pushing, all through his cheerless, sexless adolescence. What else could he do? His bedroom window looked out over the front of her house, so he always peeped her while he was painting his D&D miniatures or reading the latest Stephen King. The only thing that changed in those years were the models of the cars, the size of Maritza's ass, and the kind of music bolting out of the car speakers. First freestyle, then ill-will-era hip-hop, and right at the very end, for just a little while, Hector Laveau and the boys. He said hi to her almost every day, all upbeat and faux happy, and she said hi back, indifferently, but that was it. He didn't imagine that she remembered their kissing, but of course, he could not forget. To subscribe to the Writer's Block and hear more stories, please visit kqed.org slash writer's block. The Writer's Block is produced by KQED.